You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. And Jesus goes all the way to the cross, and while he's dying, I'm just going to tell you there's a word for that, generous. See, generosity reorients a person's heart back to God. And when you want to find your true north, just look at the cross. If you ever get lost in life, just hear what I'm about to say. Because some of you are going to move away, and some of you are going to, you know, find another church someday. And so just sear this into your, your, your heart and into your soul. That if you ever lose your way, just simply go back true north and go to the cross. Take a look at the cross because that's the only way that men and women, boys and girls are saved. Take a look at the cross because it reminds us how we're to treat our neighbor, how we're to treat our kids, our grandkids, our spouse, how we're to love the boss that we can't stand. Good morning. So let me ask you a few questions, a little self-assessment before we dive in. Would you consider yourself a generous person? And would people that are closest to you describe you as a generous person? And if you believe you're generous and they would describe you as a generous person, are you increasing in your heart of generosity? Or have you become generous and now you're stopping at that place of generosity? Or are you finding yourself giving more compliments and giving God your best and affirming and encouraging people and releasing more of what's in your hand? Or are you just kind of stuck? I had somebody tell me once, you know, we give 10% of our income to the Lord and that's it. And it's just just so great. We're obedient. And all those people that don't do that, (laughs) they should start doing that. And I said, oh, well, I stopped giving 10% a long time ago because 10% is training wheels. And eventually the bike starts, you get the balance, and you hear the Lord whisper. And, and I'm just going to tell you this. I'm, I'm sorry, this is not a sermon about money. So some of you want one, yeah, this is not it. Some of you that came to church today said, I hope he's going to talk about money. <laughs> this isn't it. This is bigger than that. It's about your life. It's about your time. It's about your talents. And, of course, your treasure. And so when you listen to the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to challenge you. When you listen to what God will say, it will be far more than 10%. In your money, in your time, in the gifts that he's given you, in the talents that he has given you. And I I just underscored again, so glad we had that little video put together just to see how we serve beyond our walls. If this church ever allows the arrows to point inward, we are just like any other little church that's on its way down. But uh, I am so grateful that when I came to pastor this church, the Lord had told us uh, to come, and we had prayed about it for all of 30 minutes. And uh, I mean, we moved our family here from San Fernando Valley, 30 minutes of, of prayer. God had already spoken to our hearts about coming. And I asked the previous pastor, a great guy, he pastors in Flagstaff, Arizona today. He was here 13 years, and... During the 13 years, I said to him, hey, Rich, would you tell me some history about the church? And he told me what he could. Talked about how it started in 1940 by a flying evangelist who was uh, very, very creative. And he used to buzz the 
streets, H and ocean, the hubbub of the city. There was nothing out on Central. There was no Chipotle's coming or Habit or there was no Starbucks drive through sorry. And he would actually open the door of his airplane with a megaphone and tell people to come tonight to hear the gospel being preached. And, and I love the fact the other day I was on my way to a change of command ceremony on the base and I gave the young airman at the front gate my pass and he looked at it and he said, oh, you're free to pass. I mean, he didn't really like check it. And I said, really, you got to check it better. And he goes, no, sir, I looked at the picture and I thought there's no way anyone would want to impersonate this ugly guy. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. Not what he said. But when I'm driving, when I'm driving down the, you know, the main drag and on the base and the flags are there and I'm just seeing all that and, and I remembered the fact that the founding pastor of this church and subsequent pastors were very connected to Camp Cook. That's what it used to be called. It was an army installation. And they used to go out there and have barbecues and they would welcome the, the, the young army you know, recruits into the church. And I thought, isn't that, isn't that great? And, and the pastor used to have barbecues out in front of the old sanctuary that used to be in this parking lot. This wasn't here then and, and this wasn't even here when I got here and, and, and a little parking lot. And they used to have barbecues out in the street. And I go, wait a minute. You mean like a harvest block party? You, some of you have been right? When 3,000, 4,000 people come and all we're doing is living out our DNA, but it's not traced back to an Al Ware who started this church. It's not traced back to a Rich Taylor who was here before me. It's, it's not traced back to any of the previous pastors. It's traced back to the cross where Jesus is dying for people. He's forgiving them and they're not even asking for forgiveness. Generosity is in the heart in the DNA, in the culture of anyone who follows after Jesus. And if your hands are more like this and your fingernails are just digging into the palms of your hands, I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would, would, would help you open up and be more embracing of all that's around us. In Philippians 2, 5 to 8, we've been reading this, that you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God he did not think of equality with God something to cling to or something to grasp, but he gave up his divine privileges. That's generosity. He took the humble position. That's generosity of a slave and was born in a human being's body. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. That's generosity in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That is generosity. And that should motivate us to serve others. 2 Corinthians 8-9 gives us this great summary of who Christ is, especially as it pertains to generosity. So let's read it with your best 959 voice. Okay, here we go. Ready, go. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He lowered himself and became impoverished so that we might be rich. And guess what? That is our assignment, as we talked about last week, as ministers of reconciliation, to share our faith with others and to love people in such a way that they become rich as well. Rich spiritually above all else. And if they're poor and in need, that we help them and we bless them so they can also become rich that way. 
Jesus left behind all of his wealth and riches so that we might have the opportunity to share in that wealth with him, which in turn motivates us to generosity so that others might share in the wealth of Christ. You should have seen that statement before I edited it short. It was long. It was like two pages. I can't get it in a box. But that's really what he did. He left behind all his wealth so we might become rich. And there's times that we have to go out of our way to bless and encourage others. Think of two kingdoms, if you would. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of earth. I've been paying attention, have you? Have you been reading the news or watching the news or listening to news or getting your tweets and your Facebook news feeds? And I'm going to tell you about the kingdom of this earth. I can describe it in one word, selfish. Left to our own devices, we're, we're in bad shape. I can tell you about the kingdom of heaven, though, in one word, generous. It's filled with grace and mercy. And God is trying to get the story of heaven into our lives. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done in the kingdom of earth, just as it is in the kingdom of heaven. And God has been trying to get heaven into earth since Genesis chapter 3. God's been trying to get heaven into earth, and that's the ultimate generosity. When he takes his son in heaven and brings him to earth, and he comes here and gives his life for us. I just want to like challenge you a little bit. It, it's, it's how can you say that you follow after the servant, Jesus, the generous one, and yet there's times where we just, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. It was a few weeks ago that I was outside between services and I, I saw this family and they were kind of downcast. Dad did not look happy at all that he came to church. Maybe it was a sermon. I don't know. Maybe it was a drummer. I was playing that day. I don't know. Mom wasn't too happy either. The kids seemed a little more happy, but not too happy either. Maybe their Sunday school teacher was having an off day. I don't know what it was. This family was kind of like, they couldn't wait to get to their cars. And then guess what I do? I stop them. <laughs> and for some reason, this little boy is there, and, and, and I, so I put my hands you know, down on my, my, my kneecaps like this, and I got down, and I looked in his eyes, and I said, man, I sure love your shirt. He had this cool shirt on. And his hair had gel in it. It was kind of spiked a certain way. And, and I said, does your mommy do your hair? Oh, yeah. She does a good job. And I'm looking up at my She's not smiling. You ever been talking to people and you know they're done with you? <laughs> do you know what I do when they do that to me? I just keep talking. <laughs> Thank God when my wife is with me, she just, you know, some, you know. Usually it's like, you know. So I just kept speaking encouraging words to this little boy. And I'm going to tell you this. His countenance changed. He started smiling at me. And he pulled out the paper that he made in Sunday school. And since I don't always operate in the gift of discernment and knowledge, I had to ask him what it was. <laughs> what he said was nothing like what was on the paper. But now I'm bragging 
to the boy about the boy. And now mom's starting to smile because I'm talking about her offspring. You got it? You, you mamas get that, right? Somebody says, you have the most wonderful child. <laughs> you know? And now mama starts smiling. Dad, he, he's, he's not there yet. And sister, she pulls her picture out. What about me? What about me? You know what I discerned in that moment? I'm not being critical. I discerned in that moment, there's not a whole lot of affirmation in that house. Because there was this little girl, oh, what about me? Oh, that's, that's one of the finest pictures. I had to say one of the finest because I didn't want to say the finest. Hers was better than his, but I didn't want to tell her that because I didn't want to burst his bubble. And dad looks at me with these big brown eyes and says, we got to go. And I just said, I am so glad you came. I'm just so glad you came. And he turned around. I'm just going to tell you this. He turned around and he said, so am I. I don't think he was glad because the sermon or the drummer or the Sunday school teacher or how awesome all of you are in this building. I think he was glad because there was a generous moment of encouragement. Now, why did I tell you that story? Because I'm trying to do one of these about me? No, no, no. I'm trying to tell you, sometimes that's the generosity that people need. And it's not much. It cost me four minutes of my day and zero money. But my heart was open to try to bless them. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus said in Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to than to receive. That's the headline this morning on Fox. That's the headline on CNN. Didn't you hear that in all the political debates? Well, I'd rather not answer that because it's more blessed to give than receive. I think we, no, really, I think we ought to start a new party called the Generous Party where we don't ask anybody for their votes. Think about it. We just don't ask anybody for both. We don't ask anybody for anything. We just love people. Well, who's, who's the head of your party? Jesus? It kind of sounds like it could be the church. Huh? Jesus said, if you want to be more blessed, catch this, more blessed, it's actually more blessed to give than receive. And that's the challenge today that we face. In your notes, the key to the life that follows after the servant Jesus is the heart of generosity. Proverbs, uh, Solomon, so wise, tells us in 11, 24, and 25 that one man gives freely, yet he gains even more, and another withholds unduly. In other words, he has the assets, he has the time, he has the talents, but has decided that he's going to hold it back unduly. He comes to poverty. Now, if you're into finance, and if you've ever not done you know, Financial Peace University, we'll be doing it again. I challenge you. It's a great, Dave Ramsey stuff is great. There's a lot of great things out there that you can learn that are Christian-based to help you financially. But I'm just going to tell you this. Part of the problem for some people in their finances is they have, but they don't ever give. A generous man will, come on, a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes will himself be refreshed. What was I doing with that little boy in that family? Just trying to refresh him. Just trying to bring some encouragement to them. So it's not all about money. 
Sorry, I know some of you are disappointed. You wanted to hear me talk about tithe all morning long. Uh, just alluding to 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 8, and 11. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving when you are a generous, hilarious, cheerful giver. God finds a way to bless you. He just does. Any farmer knows that. You want a big harvest? You don't put a few seeds in the ground and say, Lord, fill my barns, fill my silos. No, you, you plant a lot of seed. You put a lot in the ground. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about your generous, uh, generosity filter. Everybody has one. Uh, we, we talk about people that speak without a filter. Um, I'm guilty. You know, you think it, you say it. God bless you. If you're like me, pray, because sometimes we get ourselves in trouble, right? We say what comes to our mind. There's a filter when it comes to generosity, and the, the first one I want you to, to, to see is there is a bag perspective or a bag filter. And it's always... This statement, I don't have enough. I just don't have enough. I just, I just, we just don't have enough. I need to, to tell you that I'm grateful that we don't have a bag church. That we uh, give away about 30% of the income of this church. Sometimes 28%, sometimes 32 depending on uh, the monthly income. But we give away about 30% of our income. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not bragging about me, I'm just bragging about you and your church council because um, most churches do not operate that way. Most businesses do not operate and say, well, we're just going to learn to live on 70% of our income and we're just going to give away 30%. But, but it's, it's our DNA, remember, it was founded in a, with, with generosity and creativity and so you know, we give back to our denomination, we give to disaster relief, we we give to missionaries, and we give to our general missions fund, and we give to plant churches around the world, and we give to scholarships for students to go into a ministry, and uh, we give to local causes here as well that are, that are good, and we, we give to take care of the under-resourced, and you add that up, and it's about 30%, and I love it. I just, I just love it. I'm going to tell you something that's going to probably baffle some of you. Um, but in my time here, uh, we have had three months, three months where we didn't bring in exactly what we needed or a little bit more. And uh, then those months that we didn't, like, oop, we're in the red, the next month or two averages it all out. And uh, we have no debt as a church. We have no liens. Leases, loans, rents. I don't know if that makes you feel good. But if you've been here for a while, you haven't heard me say, well, this month we're short on the mortgage payment. I have a pastor friend whose church has a $57,000 a month mortgage payment. How you doing? And every quarter they get up, baby, and the whole service is about giving. And people have learned which Sunday that's going to be, and they all... They all watch on live stream. Yeah. 
Haggai 1.6, he talks about bags. He says, you, you eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are never filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you're never warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. It's a perspective that says, I don't have it. I won't get it, so I won't give it. It's a scarcity mentality and mindset. And if you have it, God bless you. Get it over it quick. Get delivered quick. You know who had a bag mindset? His name was Judas. He trusted the bag more than he trusted God. He trusted the bag more than he trusted God. And he had a bag of coins. Matter of fact, one day there was this woman, she wanted to worship Jesus. She was known as an immoral woman, but she had a heart for Jesus. And she took a jar of perfume and she poured it on his feet. The Bible tells us that that jar was valued at one year's income, one year's wages. And Judas saw her, and I'm paraphrasing, he screams from the corner and says, you stupid lady, why are you doing this? And her heart was, I want to worship Jesus. He's changed my life. I want to give him all that I have. It's the same Judas trusting the bag more than trusting God that, that he sells out Jesus. He betrays Jesus for 30 little coins of silver so he could hear ding, ding, ding going in his bag. And Haggai says, you know what? If that's your heart and if that's your life, you'll never have enough. It'll be like your bag has a hole in it. You'll just never get there. But I want to talk to you about not a bag now. I want to move to the different perspective. This is called the basket perspective. The basket perspective. It's where you have more than enough. Deuteronomy 28, 4, and 6. Deuteronomy 28, 4, and 6 says, um, the fruit of the loom. Oh, wait a minute. The, just joking. The fruit of the womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Your what? basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Jesus talks about the basket in Luke chapter 6 and he says that there will be a blessing that will come and the basket will be pressed down and shaken together, running over and brought to your lap. You see, the field workers never filled the basket to the brim because they had to carry it across the field. It was put on carts. It was put on wagons. It was, a lot, it was a lot of work to carry it, so they would never fill it. But Jesus says that when there would be a time that the farmer would say, I'm going to let you have the gleaning of the field, and those who didn't have very much would come with their baskets and they would fill the, the lettuce, as it were, or the broccoli, as it were, or the artichokes, and they would fill up their baskets and they would press it down because this was the basket you were going to take home to feed your family. If you're a bag mentality person and you say, I never have enough, it's going to be hard for you to become a basket person to say, Lord, I want you to bless me and, and fill me with abundance so that I can bless others. Remember, the, the bottom line is, I don't just want God to bless me so I can say, look at how much I have. I want God to bless me so I can give to others. 
And it's easy to get stuck. It's easy to get stuck. People say, oh, I'm so generous. You know, I'm, I'm a tither. Again, I, I talked about it earlier. But that's just your training wheels. Where you say, God, I want to be not just a bag person who opens my bag to you. I want to open my basket to you. And I want you to fill me to overflowing. I guess a good question would be, are you giving God something to press down and shake together? Are you giving God something that he can stop and that he can bless? One day that little boy gave his lunch to the disciples, and they brought it to Jesus. You remember the story? And the Bible says it was 5,000 men. We could assume that there was 15,000 if you had the women and kids. And One commentary said that they could prove over 20,000 people were there that day. And, and isn't it remarkable that there's only one lunch that we hear about? The disciples said, hey, we got any food? And 47 kids came up, sure. You know, these are Jewish boys. No Jewish mama let her boy leave home without a lunch. I, I was raised in Judaism. I know the way it was. I always had the biggest salami sandwich whenever I went somewhere. I mean, it's just true. You're going on a trip, Benad. You need six bags. I'm mean, just telling you. All the Gentile kids were bumming off of me. So, so here, here's this little boy's lunch. I firmly believe, and it just is my opinion, that when Jesus was asking disciples for food, the disciples were looking for food. They couldn't find a 7-Eleven or a Chipotle or a Habit, and they were, and, and they were asking for lunch. I, I believe there's lots of kids taking their bag with their cleanse fit and going like, I don't have anything. Have we got any food? Not me. Go ask him. There's one little kid in the corner, you know, he's eating a piece of bread and Little fish, filet of fish, you know, and uh, tartar sauce, white bread. Anyway, and, uh, and he gives it to the Lord's work. We don't know the kid's name, but every preacher in the world has preached the story. Every Sunday school teacher has preached the story and showed kids the picture of the baskets. Hey, because a bag was released, this will preach, a bag was released, Baskets were released. And the baskets were so much to fill everyone. And at the end, what's the story say? There were how many baskets? Twelve. How many disciples? You think Jesus was trying to teach them a lesson about multiplication? Kingdom finance? See, pray that God will stretch your faith out of the bag perspective into the basket perspective. Where we no longer say, I can't meet that need, but we say, Lord, what could I do to meet that need? Or how can I get myself and five other friends and we can meet that need together and multiply that? How we can do together what we can't do on our own. And James 1.7 reminds us about the generosity of God. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created it all. You can, uh, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I dare you to love somebody and not give to them. I dare you to love somebody and not, you know, pump them up and encourage them. I, I, I dare you to be a part of a company or a, or a team or a football team or a high school campus where everything's about you or a college campus where everything's about you or a military where everything's about you. I mean, it's a lonely life. But it's great when you're walking in the parking lot or down the hall and somebody says, 
I'm so glad they're coming because every time they come, generosity oozes out. They say that about you? I don't think they always say that about me, but I want them to. I want to get to that place. The last one is the barn perspective, number three. We go from bag to basket to barn. Where the filter that we look at life with is, Lord, you have given me a barn full of gifts and a, and, and, and a barn full of promises in your scriptures, infinitely more than enough, exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think or imagine or dream. Deuteronomy 28.8 says, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns. That's a good. I want to pastor a barn church. I think we are a barn church. I just want more barns. And on everything you put your hand to. Isn't that a great blessing? But wouldn't this be great to pray over your kids? May the Lord, just think about this prayer. May the Lord bless you and everything you put your hand to. May the Lord your God bless you in the land that he's giving to you, that you will possess more, that you will have more, and that the spirit of generosity won't just be, look, I have more, but look, I have more to give, I have more to share, I have more blessings and encouragement and finances and, and time and talents. Study the story of Joseph and you will find out that he was faithful He was faithful when he was in the pit, then he was faithful in the prison, he was faithful in the palace, and God filled his barns and he fed people who were dying in a famine. I tell young leaders all the time whenever I get to speak to them, can God trust you with more? And they all say, yeah, bring it. (laughs) No, 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 can he trust you with more? Not are you entitled to more? Sorry, but can he trust you with more? You know how he trusts you with more? Is that you're using what you have today to its fullest capacity and potential. I talked to a group of young guys that are preparing to go to the ministry. They're all young and green. They've got dreams of 20,000 member churches. I mean, these guys are just, they're, they're, they're sharp. And one of them said, I have a call on my life to be a pastor, and I'm going to pastor one of the most successful churches. We're going to revolutionize church. We're not going to even have people sit like this. We're going to sit in the round, and the worship, the screens are going to be on the ceiling because we don't want anybody to look at worship leaders. We want them to look up to Jesus. And, and we're not going to have any paper in the church. It's a waste of resources. It's all going to be online. You'll walk in the church, boop, and it'll beep you the bulletin right to your smartphone. That freaked most of you out. <laughs> so after he's telling me all this stuff, he's trying to be like a little abrasive, like that's because you're old, you don't know how to do it. I leaned in and I said, I just got to tell you, I leaned in and I said, who are you pastoring today? Well, I don't have a degree yet. I don't have a REV in front of my name, Reverend. I said, who are you pastoring today? Who are you pouring into today? Where are you making a difference today? And boy, he went silent on me. We had a girl in this church years ago. She said, my call in my life, because I asked her what her dream was, my call in my life is to be a teacher. 
And after I graduate high school, I'm going to go to university. And I'm going to get my, my degree. And then I'm going to do my apprenticeship and my internship. And I'm going to get a credential. And I'm going to be a teacher. And I said, I doubt it. Well, why do you tell me that? Who are you teaching now, sweetheart? You teaching anybody on your street how to read better, do math better? You teaching anybody? By the way, we have 915, 1045. We have teachers all over our campus. Why don't you start teaching now? Well, I don't have a degree yet. I said, no, you want to give God something to bless. So start teaching. She did. I said, by the way, if I let you teach, you might find out you hate it, and I'll save your parents lots of money. <laughs> Folks, some of you are waiting for your ship to come in so you can be generous. Stop waiting. Your ship might come in if you start being generous. Some of you are waiting for the day you know more about the Lord to start doing what we talked about last week, to be a minister and a minister of reconciliation. But remember what we said last week. Jesus healed the man who was possessed of demons. And Jesus said, now go out and preach. What was his sermon? Jesus delivers. That's all he had. Two words. Shortest sermon ever. Jesus wept. Jesus delivers. That's all he knew. But Jesus says, go, go tell people what you saw. Go tell people what you experienced. Here's some question. God wants to know how much he can bless you with. God wants to know how much influence he can trust you with. Luke 16.10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Parents, you do this with your kids, don't you? I'm going to let you have this, you fill in the blank, and if you're good with this, I'll give you two thises. When my... Uh, Son got his driver's license. This is back in the prehistoric days. And uh, you could actually drive your friends around town. So some of you remember this. He, he got the license. He got 100% on the written test, 100% on the driving test. And he said, see, Dad, I'm allowed to drive now. Give me the keys. <laughs> so I gave him the keys to my Honda Civic. And he went and packed it with his friends and drove around. And I said, um, you need to be home by 8 o'clock. Because if you're not, you're not driving my car again. He got home at 7.15. Huh? And so I said, good, next you can drive it again. And then I got in it after he drove it again. It was filled with gas. Some of you parents are going, please, Lord, may that happen to me? <laughs> and it was filled with gas. And a few weeks later, he bought it again, and it was washed and waxed. He's fa he was faithful with little. And Dad said, I'll give you more. I love it. So then Dad got in Mom's car and went and followed him around one night, incognito with a hat on and shit. Because I wanted to see, you know, was he still driving 10 and 2, or was he... He was driving good, you see. And Dad said... Give you more. Now, listen, God is no different than that. When you're faithful, gentlemen, with your wife, He will bless you with deeper love for her and a deeper respect and love from her. When you're faithful with your kids, when you're faithful with your friends, I mean, you, you can preach this to yourself. 
Honor the Lord, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, with your wealth, with your first fruits. In other words, not your leftovers. Hmm? The first item on your budget needs to be, this is the Lord's. When you look at your day, Lord, who would you have me talk to today? Where would you have me invest some of my time? Then your barns will be filled to... <sighs> you... You decide what that means. I just think this generous God, the God of abundance, wants to give to us when we're faithful with our time and our talents and our treasures. He wants to give us land that we've not yet inherited. So are you generous? Would people describe you as generous? What do you need to ratchet up some of your generosity and your love and your affirmation to others? Are your Fingernails in your palms? Are you trusting the bag or are you trusting the Lord? There are some people today who trust our economy more than they trust God. Some people are trusting in the election more than they trust in God. Some people are worried. Do we trust in Him? We sang about Him today. He will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.